Hey guys, we are live with the EPL show here, simulcasting on Locker Room. The EPL show is presented by WinBet. Sign up using our link and receive a free $500 risk-free bet. That's right, $500. And if you send in your first bet slip, you'll get a free t-shirt. Just head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win for a $500 risk-free bet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win. W-H-N-N. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for avid sports bets, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. Better Than Vegas is like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure you, sub- you subscribe to our page so, you'd over- so you never miss a pick. See, I do these reads and um, sometimes I have to redo them because there is a lot to say. Um, so to get our page, head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell positions like a stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG. That's legal in 40 states. Sign up at betteredge.com. Use a promo code SGP for a $10 free bet. That's betteredge.com, spelled B-E-T-T-O-R, and then edge.com, and use our promo code SGP. And finally, also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in paper providers, make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free. Just head over to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Okay, let's roll on with this week's EPL show. Hope guys have seen my tweet on Twitter. My Twitter account is at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. My website, as you guys should know by now, is lockbetting.com. Um, the last two days, I've posted up some recaps. I don't usually do recaps because some days it is a grind. I would say 75% of the time, we, we make a profit. Obviously, you guys know we've delivered 91 consecutive months of transparent, tracked profit. Every month, my PL is posted as a pin tweet over at the SGP Soccer page. But the last two days in particular, I have posted recaps. Because we've just absolutely destroyed it. I'm looking through here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten and three day on, on Sunday. Uh, sorry, yes, on Sunday. And then yesterday, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve and two day yesterday. These days will just pay for your uh, subscription to, to lockbetting.com twice, three, four times over. And we've had two of them back to back. So if you signed up just for the Sunday, you would have got triple your money and you'd have got five times your money yesterday with what we made. So these are the days that you need to just pull ahead. You only need to be right about everything, maybe just once a month. And we've done it done back to back days. And we were already up before that. Obviously, there have been some days where we've taken a hit this, this, in, this, in this month, especially. In fact, there's an entire podcast out about it at the moment, The Bad Beat Show, a brand new show over on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, available now where I talk about my worst day ever. But Jesus, that was almost paralleled by the way the Packers threw away that game against the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, even though it wasn't a, a, a high stakes uh, it was high stakes, but we didn't lose that much money on it because we took a hedge on Tampa Bay. We had two units out on the Packers. One was done earlier on in the season where it was three to one. 
and the other one was taken at the beginning of the playoffs, which was six to four plus one fifty. So we were riding out a couple of plays. We did hedge out on Tampa for pretty much everything. We took Tampa on the money line, and uh, we took this hedge was significant significant enough for us to not to lose any money. But we would have made um, we would have made over three units had the Packers whip one. We didn't win, but for me it was more of the emotional attachment that was involved as well. I explained that over on the Bad Beach Show how that was equally as horrible to me. Sort of going to how. Ever since I've been doing these shows on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, my, my betting interactions have increased. My my watching of sport has massively increased. And though it is joyous to win with guys when we win a bet and watching, obviously, other people's teams win most of the time, my teams have not fared well over this six-year period, seven-year period. The, the Green Bay Packers and Manchester United. And Man United are top of the league at the moment for doing the show. They beat Liverpool on Sunday. I've waited a while to watch that as well. And I felt that the whole day was kind of ruined for me by the way the Packers played. It was the, it was the manner of the win. It was the fact that Brady threw three interceptions and allowed us back into the game. It was the, it was the calls from the officials as well. That pissed me off because they didn't call anything for shirt grabbing and then decided that they were going to hand Tom Brady the game. Because Goodell and the NFL, they want Brady in the Super Bowl. He's, he's the face of the NFL. He's been handed... So many victories in his career. It's been ridiculous. Possibly the most overrated athlete in all the sports. Uh, one-dimensional pocket passer with one pass who's who's been gifted a, a career by being carried by Bill Belichick. Um, but but hey, I mean that's we knew we were dealing with that before we even got involved in the game. What we shouldn't have done what was played so badly. Our defense didn't turn up for the entire first half. We had Adams dropping catches, which I haven't seen all season. And then on on the third down, where everybody's talking about um, Lafleur kicking the field goal afterwards, which was the stupid decision, should never have kicked the field goal. But prior to that, Aaron Rodgers had about 15 yards of green in front of him and decided to throw the ball. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers can't make a comeback. Aaron Rodgers is a front runner. He's always has been a front runner. Front runner. You can count his double digit double digit comebacks on one hand because there hasn't been any of them. Um, so so that that was the issue. And um, yeah, we're, we're not going to the Super Bowl and it's fucking horrible and you have to deal with it. But um, but Manchester United, Manchester United are top of the league and we play Sheffield United this week. Um, Kevin De Bruyne is injured for Manchester City for four to six weeks. That's excellent news. Uh, Chelsea have just sacked their manager, which we're going to get into a little bit more. Uh, Tottenham don't seem to be able to, to score goals. And Liverpool look like a pile of shit. Um, I've never seen them look worse um, in the last six or so, well, since, since Klopp took over. Apart from his first season, I think since then, since he steadied the boat, I haven't seen Liverpool look worse in the last five years. And it is brilliant to watch how poor Liverpool are at the moment. No wins in, in 2021 other than one win in the FA Cup against a bunch of Villa kids. They really are in a bad moment. And this week's game of the week is... Tottenham versus Liverpool. But let's talk about Chelsea first. What went wrong at Chelsea? Um, I think it was obviously the, the recruitment. That's the first thing you need to look at. When you already have Christian Pulisic and um, Hudson-Odoi in your team, I don't understand why you're buying Havertz and Werner. And then you have to play them. You have to play them. But if you have genuine ambitions of, of uh, at the very least, getting into the Champions League or challenging for this league, which is the most difficult league to win around Europe. I mean, look at look at how many years in a row that Juve won the Serie A title. There's no contest in France. PSG have won the league before a ball's kicked. There's no contest in Germany. Borussia Dortmund, you know, they can get involved in a title race. They do have the players to go on a run. 
but they don't they don't have the financial firepower of Bayern Munich and it makes it very very difficult because when they do make mistakes and they've made a ton of mistakes this season if you look at Dortmund's home record this season they have dropped points against three teams who are in relegation issues and and that doesn't give you the opportunity to create a title race in the EPL nearly every single year we at the very least get a title race and there are genuinely like five or six teams that can win the league especially at the moment uh, for, a, for a short period it was just Manchester City and Liverpool admittedly for a few years but at the moment there's any one of six teams could win this league including Leicester goes far down as them or I mean they're in a better position but I mean in terms of my what you would call power ratings I would put Leicester outside of that, that that top five but I still think they could go and win the league they've done it before with a team that's not as good as the team they've got now but um, but as for Chelsea um, it, it, there's there's a settling in period. Very very few players come straight into the Premier League and settle in like Bruno Fernandez, and and that's obvious if you watch years and years of Premier League. Werner, he looked like he was going to be a player that could do that. He's a good physical player. He's good at holding up the ball. He can play out wide. He can play down the middle. He's a good goal scorer. He hasn't hit the ground running. Havertz, Havertz, I knew didn't have a chance of settling into this league. He's not. He, he doesn't look physically he doesn't look physically good he doesn't look physically ready to play in the Premier League he needs to work on his conditioning in order to to beef up much like Cristiano Ronaldo did Cristiano Ronaldo didn't hit the ground running in this league he had to shit kicked out of him by defenders for an entire year before he decided to bulk up and and get himself ready for the league I mean there was a pivotal second year there for Ronaldo where if he didn't if he didn't play better and start to contribute because all he really was was a skillful player that ran himself into corners initially and if he didn't have any end product Cristiano Ronaldo was going to be a 12 million pound flop let me repeat that for people that need the history lesson. Cristiano Ronaldo did nothing initially at Manchester United. He was a player that was easily kicked and pushed off the ball. And had he not had a good second season, he was going to look like a £12 million flop, Cristiano Ronaldo. And that is the Premier League. Lucky from Ronaldo came through, was unbelievably successful at Man United, had an unbelievable career at Real Madrid as well. And um, he's in the conversation for the greatest player of all time. But as I said, he struggled physically in the Premier League. So I knew Havertz didn't have a chance. But I knew this Chelsea team had a squad at least to get back into the Champions League. But when you had that much money to spend, why did you not spend money on a, in a, def- on a defence that was awful all of last season? You've got ageing fullbacks that don't make contributions at a time where the, the cool thing to have is, is high-pressing fullbacks that get up and down and up and down and run tons of kilometres per game. That is what everybody else has. Chelsea didn't have those. They, they lucked out with Rhys James. Rhys James is a, is a very good player on the right. And then, of course, you did sign Ben Chilwell, which I think was the only defensive acquisition they got because Thiago Silva arrived for free. But what's it say about Chelsea when that is your defense, they're, they're your defensive priorities? A 35-year-old leaves PSG because PSG don't want him and you sign him up and put him in as a regular who plays every game. He's even captain the team on several occasions this season. That was a problem. Plus, respect for the manager. What has Lampard done? And I understand that he was a great player, but what has he done in management to have this job at Chelsea? This is a Champions League team being run by essentially an amateur manager with, with, with zero background. All he's done is gone and got his badges and done an okay job at Derby. And he's got the Chelsea job. And I understand it's pot ball and get all black because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer manages Manchester United. But Manchester United have a massive legacy. That They're not a, a, a tin pot club like Chelsea who don't, who don't really have much of a history. Manchester United have a huge, huge history. It's a massive shirt to wear. Go to Old Trafford 
and go to Stamford Bridge and see the difference, see the history of Manchester United from the from the Busby Babes to what Alex Ferguson done, where we absolutely dominated the Premier League from the very first season it started and won the treble as well. That's the history of Manchester United, the most supported club in the world. People dream about playing for Manchester United, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Nobody grows up dreaming of playing, Chelsea, playing for Chelsea. What they do dream of is having a nice lifestyle in London. And at the moment, that hasn't been a case. We've seen players go to Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, and have been complete flops because they fall in love with the nightlife. That's That's been common over the years. I think that's maybe the problem with the way that, that, that when Deli Alley's form started to dip initially, because I used to see Deli Alley out all the time. And um, you could see it coming. You could see that he wasn't going to maintain that level or improve on that level that he had at the beginning. That's the problem when you sign for Chelsea. I always think that it's a, it's a pretty un, unambitious move. But at the moment, with these people are signing during COVID. So they're not signing for the lot, for the nightlife necessarily. They're probably signing for footballing reasons. I would think Werner seriously fancied his chances of playing in a team ahead of uh, Olivier Giroud, who's never been a prolific goal scorer, and, and Tammy Abraham. I, I think Werner really fancies his chances of playing down the middle. He's had minimal game time down the middle this season. In fact, he's been pushed out wide in a position where Chelsea have tons of other great players. But then you're looking at the form of those players. hudson Adoy is he worth £50 million? Bayern Munich think he is, but Chelsea fought to keep hold of him because they also think he is as well. Do you think he is from his performances? Christian Pulisic, he hasn't been the same since he came off in the FA Cup final. So these players have underperformed for Frank Lampard. But at the same time, I go back to the point I was making. Frank Lampard doesn't inspire you. Going to Chelsea, I don't think inspires people the way Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has inspired his team at Manchester United. This is a man that scored a winner in the 93rd minute of the 1999 Champions League final. There's, there's history there. And in addition to that, I think Solskjaer is a better man-manager and I think his tactics have improved. I've seen zero improvement in Frank Lampard since he came to Derby. And as for Tuchel coming in, Tuchel, yeah, he's been a great manager in the past. Otherwise, you don't get to have the PSG job. But let's look at the, the success of people that leave PSG because managing PSG is a holiday other than when you play the Champions League. And oh boy, have they done badly in winning the Champions League under these managers. Unai Emery didn't do it. He went to Arsenal. He was complete trash. And now he's at Villarreal. That is what happens. You go to PSG and I don't think it improves anyone as a manager. It'd be interesting to see what happens to Pochettino. But but Tuchel, I don't know what kind of psychological mindset Tuchel is going to be in. Yes, he's handed himself a massive job here at Chelsea, but he was dealing with political issues the whole time. The egos of Neymar and Mbappe and, and players not, not turning up in terms of when I say not turning up, I mean like underperforming for him and trying to manage the team and having personal relationships with the chairman and the owners. Like Neymar had the, could, could text the owner any time that he wanted to. And um, I think that is a problem. And there are problems that Tuchel had to deal with. Look, he might be happy to be out of that job. It might be the best thing for him. And, and coming to Chelsea might be the best thing for him. And he may hit the ground running. I don't think this team could do any worse. I don't understand how they we're playing that badly under Lampard. Look, at least if you're a top-heavy team, who are short of defenders, at least you should be scoring a plethora of goals. They weren't doing that. They weren't scoring on what at one end and they weren't defending properly at the other. And you know what the recipe is when you don't defend properly and your attacking players aren't delivering? You lose matches and you get sacked. And you especially get sacked when you spend a shit ton of money in the summer and you can't get the players to play. Frank Lampard deserves 
no sympathy for the simply for the league position that Chelsea are in. I saw it coming. A few weeks ago, I was on the show and I was told, I, I mean, I do a lot of shows, sometimes I don't remember what I say, but I was told that I predicted that Lampard would be the next manager to go. I, I definitely remember saying that Steve Bruce shouldn't be at the top of the market. I don't necessarily believe that now because I believe if Newcastle lose a couple more games, Bruce will go and the market has now corrected himself. But at the time, I felt there were more managers that could have gone first. I think the expectation at Chelsea was a lot higher and I didn't see them turning it around. And um, obviously, the same doesn't apply for, for people like Liv. If Klopp goes on a terrible one and they don't win for the next five or six games, his job's tenure. He's got credibility. He's got trophies. He's been there and done it. He can afford for this team to have a bad season. If they go completely off the rails now and they and they finish outside the top four and they don't do anything in the Champions League, they still won't fire Jurgen Klopp because Jurgen Klopp has actually won the league and he's won the Champions League as well. So he's untouchable. Lampard, unfortunately for him, wasn't, despite the fact he was a great player for Chelsea, he's now out of the door. And I think, personally, he'll find it very, very difficult to get another job at this level. I think Frank Lampard's future will see him back in the Championship and uh, Chelsea will be a very interesting team to watch over the next few weeks. Tuchel's not going to be in charge in time for the home game tomorrow against Wolves unless something drastic happens in the next 24 hours. I don't think it'll be enough to, to influence the team. But how often have we seen it? We've seen it in the NFL as well this season where when coaches get sacked, somehow the players just turn up anyway. Suddenly, um, the, these overplayed footballers want to put the blame on the coach's lap and show people as soon as he goes, look, it wasn't us. As soon as he's gone, we've won. So whether it be too sure, which it won't be, or whether it be a caretaker manager, whatever the situation is for Chelsea tomorrow, I think these players will turn up for that game tomorrow against Wolves, a team that have already beaten them 2-1 this season. Wolves away was the start of Chelsea's slump. Because if you look prior to that, on a decent run of form, and especially at the back, they were defending very well. It was the Wolves game, ironically, the first Wolves game at Wolves where they lost 2-1 from 1-0 up is where Lampard's downward slide began. And uh, unlike Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Man United, who's had a lot of downward slides, he wasn't giving the time to to fix things. And I don't think he would have. I just don't have any faith in, in Frank Lampard. I thought the job was way, way, way too big for him. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Tuchel will do. He's got all of the ingredients there to at least get his team into the top four. And um, if he makes the right signings in the summer, he could immediately turn his team into a title contender. But um, I, I do worry for the likes. I worry less for, for Werner than I do for, for, for Kai Havertz because some players just, just don't develop into this league. And it takes a big commitment. It takes the commitment that Cristiano Ronaldo made in order to succeed when you're a player like like Kai Havertz. So lots and lots and lots to watch there over the next few weeks. But let's get on with the games. We have lots and lots of games to cover and some of them kick off at six. So we're going to do those first six UK time, uh, one one PM for you guys in the East, uh, three hours before that in the in the West Coast was 10 a.m. My maths is right. Probably is. Um, okay, Crystal Palace at home to, to West Ham. Crystal Palace are the 12 to 5 underdogs here. It's 23 to 10 the draw, and it's 23 to 20 here on West Ham. West Ham away favourites at Crystal Palace, and, and that's the right, that's the right thing to for the bookies to do because West Ham are in far better form. David Moyes has won all four of his visits to Crystal Palace. Palace, Palace haven't won any 
of their last 19 games against top half teams in the Premier League. West Ham have won each of their last five matches in all competitions. This team are in four. And uh, West Ham have won by a single goal, though, in all but two of the league wins this season. For me, this has all the signs of a very, very low-scoring game. I think Crystal Palace will sit in and they'll rely on on Zaha to create things for them here in this one. Um, I think it will be a low-scoring game. I'm more confident about the low-scoring game than I am West Ham actually winning it. Antonio is key for them at the moment. He's back. He's a far better option than Haller. Holds the the ball up really, really well, creates space and takes his chances as well. So I can definitely, definitely see a narrative here where West Ham do win this game. But I'm more certain that we don't get to the three-goal marker here. So I like under 2.5 goals in this one, which I'm seeing available at 8 to 11 more widely. But a a best price here of 4 to 5 is available. Up next, we look at Leeds travelling to Newcastle, where Leeds are the 10 to 11 favourites to win this game. And um, Leeds have been favourites in the wrong spots throughout this season. I think they've been very overrated by the books for the number of goals they put out, put out at the start of the season. But at some point, you need to defend. You need to realise this is the Premier League and you cannot play this frantic football and get away with it. But um, to this point, they have, and the relegation race this season, they're not going to get sucked into it because some teams in this league are just so bad. Uh, Newcastle 3-1, to one, they're one of them, and 11-4 uh, to four on the draw. As I just said, Newcastle are one of those bad teams and this represents an opportunity for Leeds to win. Leeds are rested. They didn't play in the FA Cup this weekend. So this doesn't fall under my under my Leeds are going to get so tired as the season goes on category because this, is, this isn't one of those games because Leeds are well rested. And uh, I know Newcastle are as well. But Leeds are just a much better team than Newcastle. Newcastle are in, are in an awful run of form here at the moment. They've lost six of their last eight Premier League matches. They have uh, lost each of their last four in the league. The hosts have kept one clean sheet in 13 league games this season. And Leeds have won five of the last six meetings with the bottom six. So whereas Leeds will be exposed by better teams when they try and play a... Um, a, a up and down game of basketball because that's what Leeds play. Leeds don't play football; they play basketball. And when they try and get into basketball games with with Manchester City and Man United and Liverpool, they're going to get whooped. They've been whooped already away to to Tottenham, and they got whooped by Manchester United Old Trafford as well. But Bielsa is Bielsa; he's not going to change for anything. But this is a game where you're not going to get much going the other way. And with Leeds being rested and then running the ridiculous amount of kilometers that they do. I'm actually going to do something I haven't done that much this season and take Leeds to win this game here on the money line as uh, Steve Bruce's problems get even worse here in this one. Up next, we move to the 8-15 kickoffs and we look at Southampton at home to Arsenal, where Southampton, after doing this team at the weekend, are 5-2 underdogs. Uh, it's an English term, doing them, is beating them at the weekend. Um, it's 13-5 on the draw. And it's even money here on Arsenal. First of all, the double chance market sticks out a mile here because I understand that Southampton really went for the game at the weekend, right? I understand that. And Arsenal rested some players. But these rested players are automatically going to beat the same Southampton team just because Southampton played at the weekend. Um, I understand also that Southampton are missing their fullbacks and their key to the way Southampton play. But look, they're not bringing them in with kids. They're bringing them in with with players that played the, the prior FA Cup tie and got Southampton through to round four to beat Arsenal. 
So Valerie was a regular in the team last year before they signed uh, Walker Peters. So I'm not too worried about that change. And as for Arsenal, Arsenal are missing Aubameyang, who just pulled out due to personal reasons. So how many goals are Arsenal going to score? I mean, how many goals are either of these two teams going to score in this one? I mean, I got this pegged as being under one and a half goals. I'm just seeing one of these teams nicking this game. Um, I have Arsenal here, my data, keeping um, a clean sheet in five of their last six games. Uh, Southampton have kept a clean sheet at um, at home this term. Sorry, Southampton have kept as many clean sheets at home this term as they did in the last two seasons combined. Uh, the Saints have seen under 2.5 goals land in six straight league meetings. And these two have met twice already this season. And so far, their two games have produced three goals in total. So, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take the under here. The under is available at six to five. If you want to play it a bit more safe, you could take under three goals here in this one, which is available at four to six. That pushes if it hits three, but I just don't see it see it hit three. There's so much supporting data here in terms of Arsenal having all the clean sheets, Southampton having the clean sheets, uh, six straight unders in Southampton games in the league. And of course, Aubameyang missing here for Arsenal. Uh, one goal between these two teams at the weekend. What's going to be the big change? How do they suddenly hit four? That's if you're taking the under three. How do these two teams hit four? I don't see it. I think that one has to be the play. Everybody will automatically go to um, uh, Southampton on the double chance market. I think that'll be a very popular play today. But even without Aubameyang, Arsenal are capable of nicking a tight game. And as I have this as being a one-all either way, or potentially maybe even a 1-1. One, one. Um, I, I don't want to take that chance and, and play along with the public here. Uh, I want to take my own play here on the under because I think there's a lot of great supporting stats. And uh, stylistically, the way these two teams match up from what I've seen, my eye test is also telling me this one goes under 2.5, under 3 here in this one. Up next, Manchester City, the favourites to win the Premier League this season. Getting close to minus 200 at the moment. Why? I don't know. Um, it's one to eight. Ridiculous price on them to win here at West Brom. Seven to one on the draw and 20 to one here on West Brom. Why are West Brom 20 to one? They've got big Sam Allardyce who got himself a draw away to Anfield. I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but 20 to one is insulting to this team, especially with Manchester City not having Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne is going to miss four to six weeks. Now, in a normal Premier League season, in a normal Premier League season, that probably means you're going to miss six, seven games. In this season, he's going to miss 10 to 12 games, right? He's going to miss nearly 25% of the season or over 25% of the season, depending on if Pep Guardiola is being honest with the fact that it's going to be four to six weeks. Because Pep Guardiola... He likes to play games. It wouldn't surprise me entirely to see De Bruyne return earlier than that. But if he doesn't, he's going to miss games against Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham and the Manchester Derby at the start of March. And you've got this team as close to one to two favourites to win the league when they're not even top. And they've been inconsistent all season in terms of the way that they attack. Their goal output is nowhere near. I read a few weeks ago, and the data may have changed, they're about 20 goals shy of where they were at the midpoint last season compared to what they scored last season. And uh, you're automatically making this team uh, close to one to two to win the league. Why? Because they finally improved improved defensively. Finally, Pep Guardiola 
after throwing millions and millions, maybe billions at fullbacks and centre-backs, finally managed to find a combination that works at the moment because we've seen things change. There was a period earlier on in the season where Chelsea were defending properly. And look at them now. Frank Lampard's gone. So anything can change here. But if you're relying on a Manchester City defence um, and a team without Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero hasn't played all season and he's just got COVID and COVID will fuck you up. Uh, trust me, I've just had it. It will fuck you up if you catch the bad strand of COVID. And they're relying on him to come straight back and score goals and be the same player that he was before in his 30s, coming close to his mid-30s, Sergio Aguero. You want to take that team at close to one to two to win this league and you don't want to take any of the other options? I, I think you should possibly consider um, giving up gambling. I mean, I'm looking at this now and um, I'm looking at Skybet and they've got Manchester City at close to one to three, minus 300. And that'll be on the basis that they think Liverpool have dropped out of this title race. They've got Manchester City here at four to 11. Manchester United at six to one from the top of the league. Liverpool nine to one. Leicester 20 to 1, Tottenham 25 to 1. These are crazy prices on on literally you could bet every other team. You could bet every other team here and come away with a profit. And I'm not just saying this as a Man United fan. I'm saying that there's value on everybody underneath this market up to um up to Leicester. It's just not a foregone conclusion. That that those odds are foregone conclusion odds. It doesn't make any sense. Um but but yeah, that that's just my take on it. Maybe I'm being massively optimistic as a as a Manchester United supporter and think that we have a real real chance of winning the league this season. But but why don't we? Kevin De Bruyne is out. This team aren't scoring enough goals, and the number one assist maker in the league is out. And you're relying on this defence that you've just put together over the last 10, 12 weeks to continue playing this way for the remainder of the season because your goal output is poor. And looking at this game, where you're coming in as one to eight favourites, you guys know what that means. That means you're expected to win this game easily. There's no values in the handicaps here. Manchester City, minus one, minus 1.5, sorry, is available at minus 200, one to two. Manchester City, to to cover a, um, a minus two and a half handicap here, is available at, let's have a look here, hold on, at six to four. So you can take West Brom on the other side of that here. West Brom are available at four to six or as a plus 2.5 on the Asian handicap market to avoid a three goal defeat in this one. For me, that is the absolute value bet here to take. West Brom, I don't think are going to be beaten here by three goals. If they score, if they score in this game, they're 100% not going to get beaten by three goals because this City team won't put up four. And that would seem like a ridiculous thing to say about Manchester City in previous years. How can you come on the show? and say that Manchester City, managed by Pep Guardiola, containing this player and that player in their team, are not going to score four goals. This team ain't going to score four goals. They, they, they're just not going to. Um, so if West Brom score, you can automatically win this bet, in my opinion, here at four to six. But I have it as being more of a of a 2 nil game. I think West Brom are going to be aware of who they're playing against. I think Allardyce is going to set up to, to not, be, not get beat. But eventually... Even without Kevin De Bruyne, I think this is a team that Manchester City, uh, this is a game that Manchester City can win. But I can't say the same for the rest of their running. And I have had a look at it. Of course, I have. That's my job to have a look ahead and see what's coming up for the rest of the season. And um, there are some very, very, very difficult games. And this is not this is not the four to eleven, one to three foregone conclusion that that people have it as. There's even value 
as much as it hurts me to say it, on Liverpool. Liverpool 9-1. to There's significant value there. They are the champions. They can easily turn this run around. This is a weird, weird season where teams have gone on very weird runs. Leicester City, right back up there now. But who would have thought that? Who would have thought that off the back of them losing 2-1 at home to Fulham earlier on in the season? Actually, not even that long ago. It was just about a month ago. So, shit changes fast. Just ask Frank Lampard. Let's move on to Wednesday. Burnley at home to Aston Villa, where Burnley are available here at 11-4. to It's 13-5 to the draw, and it's even money here on Villa. Guys, if anybody wants to chime in and speak, we're going to do that just before we give out the lock. Let me, let me get in my groove and run through these games, and then there'll be a speaking bit at the end of the show. It's the way I prefer to do it. And, um, and yeah, we'll talk about stuff at the end of the show. So just keep your thoughts in mind. We will do a little call-in bit. Um, some of you are just here for the picks, especially for the earlier games. But, yeah, I do want to do a little bit of a call-in. So I want to get through these games quicker um, than I did the first four. So Burnley here, 11-4 uh, underdogs against Aston Villa. There may be some value there from a team that already won at Anfield. Um, Aston Villa, I think, are being a little bit overvalued here in terms of the fact that obviously they're having a very, very good season. But Burnley's a very, very difficult place to go to. For me, again, I may have said this a few times and I may say a few more on the show. I like the under here in this one. This is a Burnley team that are very difficult difficult to break down. Man United and Liverpool, two teams that struggled against them this season. Uh, they've scored just five times, though, in their eight home league games this season. 75% of Burnley's home matches this season have seen fewer then the three goals here that you'd need to lose this play. Villa have seen under two and a half goals in three of their last four games, and the visitors have conceded only seven goals in their last nine away games so far this season. So this is another one here where I like the under in this one. Up next, we look at this Chelsea game against Wolves, where they are the best priced four to six favourites to win this game. It's three to one on the draw and it's 19 to four on Wolves. Spoke about this a little bit earlier in conjunction with my, my little bit about Frank Lampard and the, the sacking. Um, I think Chelsea win this game here. I think this is a prime spot to get back on track. We see it all the time in sports. Sack the coach, the players are suddenly good. They're playing for the shirt again. They're playing for the new manager coming in. They're trying to get noticed. Some of these players would have just been on Lampard's shit list. They would have just not been playing at all. I mean, one of them I can think of off the top of my head is Marcus Alonso, who was a left-back, regular left-back at Chelsea. He's never, ever, ever going to get a game on the Frank Lampard. He's probably not going to plan to be a new manager either because you don't spend uh, that money on Ben Chilwell and bench him, even though Chilwell hasn't been the same player he's been at Leicester. But uh, you just don't drop these players that you spend that much money for. That was just an example. I just want to give you an example of players once they get onto certain managers' shit list. Obviously, there'll be more, more fringe players like a, like a Jorginho, for example. But yeah, this is an opportunity for everybody to, to reset. And I think Chelsea come out and win this game against the Wolves team that have lost three of the last four away games in the league. Not the same team they were last season. Not the same team without Raul Jimenez since he got his um, head injury. The visitors have been beaten in all of their visits to top half Premier League so Premier League side so far this season, which Chelsea just about are. They're just about a top half Premier League team still. And uh, Chelsea have won five of the last six home Premier League caches with Wolves. So supporting data there, but for me, this is more about situational. So it's more about the situation. And uh, this is a situational play here on Chelsea for me to win this game here on the money line. Up next, we look at Brighton at home to Wolves, where Brighton are the even money. Sorry, not Wolves, just talking about Wolves. Brighton at home to Fulham. 
I usually edit that out, but we are live. Uh, Brighton are at even money, 12 to 5 to draw, and it's 14 to 5 here on Fulham. Going to go back to it. It's another under here for me. Um, lots of data here to support that. I do see Brighton winning this game because they are starting to get sucked in to the relegation conversation again, much like Newcastle. So it would be good for them to win this game. But the supporting data here for me says under, which is available at four to five. Under two and a half goals were scored in five of Brighton's last seven home games. Under two and a half goals were scored in seven of Fulham's last eight league games on the whole. Brighton have actually drawn five of the last seven home assignments and the draw here could be a good option. I think one all if we're looking at a scoreline, seven to one that's available at. And Brighton and Fulham drew nil-nil when they faced off in a boring game in December's reverse league meeting. And uh, we had the under in that one over at lockbetting.com. So, yeah, I'm going to take the under here for this one. Really, really don't see three goals in that game. Three more games to go, including the game of the week and the Man United game. But first, we have Everton versus Leicester, where Everton are 9-5 underdogs, 23-10 to to draw, and it's 6-4 on Leicester. Leicester being a little bit overvalued here. Not really interested in a play in the game. But for me, I'm not going to go under here either again. I actually see both teams scoring in this one. Both teams to score yes, 10-11. to Both teams to score no, 10-11. to I'm on the side of yes. Both teams have scored in five of Leicester's last eight Premier League away games. Both teams have notched in five of Aston Villa's last eight home assignments. Everton have dropped, 50, dropped, in 50%, have dropped points in 50% of their Premier League home matches this season. So this is by no means a fortress. And Leicester have lost just one of their nine Premier League away games this season. For me, that's the explanation for the for the reason why Leicester are coming here as away favourites and why Everton are a dog at home. But I think these teams are still relatively equal. Leicester have had a better start to the season. Um, narrowly, Everton have just Everton have just lost it slightly, slightly cooled off as of late, after they made a hot start as well. In fact, I think, I would say Everton are, are doing what I expect them to do. I think they're back on track. They had a really, really good start. They overachieved. Then they were then they were underperforming. Off the back of losing that Merseyside derby against Liverpool, they went on a wretched run. And now I think they're doing what I expect them to do. I do expect Everton to be a top six team, more so than Leicester. And uh, these teams could potentially level out as the season goes on. But um, I, li- I like Leicester on, on the counter-attack and what they're doing. But the key ingredient for that counter-attack is missing. And whereas you can beat Brentford and land us our lock at the weekend, we took Leicester as a lock to beat Brentford because I thought that with their, even with, with French players, Leicester would have enough. But in fact, they put out a very, very strong team. And Brentford did prioritise the championship. Even though Brentford were one up, you could clearly see where, where, their, where their head was at. And Leicester want to continue to advance in the FA Cup. But without Vardy here against Everton. I think Everton are a live home dog in this situation. So a complete data fade there. Uh, I think Everton may be a good pick on the pit market. But for me, I think both teams will find the net here in this one at 10 to 11. Up next, it is the Man United game. Man United at home to Sheffield United. We are the one to four favourites. 19 to four, the draw and 11 to one on Sheffield United. Every Man United fan has looked at all of the games that we have coming up ahead for the rest of the season. They've probably all tried to work out what games we're definitely going to win, probably decided the probability of winning others and looked at the games we'll potentially lose. And they're probably doing the same for Manchester City. And everyone, 99.9% at least, will have this circled as an easy home win. But 
this the Premier League. It's not going to be like that. Coming off the back of um, winning an emotional game against Liverpool at the weekend, I don't think that we just come here and put four or five goals past this team. First of all, this team aren't necessarily defending badly. They just find it difficult to score. So they are going to sit in and make this a difficult, difficult game for us. And it's going to be a case of Man United needing to be patient. It's not going to be the case of what we had against Liverpool, which is being able to be taking advantage of an end-to-end game and having to hit them on the break. This is going to be a game where Man United do, 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 be, get, do get put in a position with what we struggle with, which is breaking teams down with loads and loads of ball possession. And we may have to defend set pieces in this game, which is what Sheffield United will be relying on scoring from. So it's going to be a difficult, difficult evening, I think. But I do think we'll come through. Um, difficult evening because like Man United fans, Man United players will be looking at this as the same. They may be smelling their own shit and thinking about winning the league as well. So it's natural to see 20 to 25 minutes of complacency here unless we, we can find a way to, to get a goal immediately. And, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does give an unbelievable team talk at the start of the game. It's human nature to look ahead to this game and not come out the gate fast. And, and that's what I anticipate, especially when their philosophy out the gate is going to be to sit back and make themselves impossible to break down. So that, that, that's, that, that's one thing to, to look at here. How long is it going to take Man United to, to get the breakthrough? What type of game is it going to be? Ultimately, I do think Man United win this game and win this game to nil. Uh, United have kept a clean sheet in five of the last 10 in all competitions. Sheffield United have failed to score in four of the last five away games. Uh, the Blazers scored just four goals on the road all season. And Man United have won 12 and drawn three of the last 15 top flight games coming into this. And um, they should win this game to nil. But obviously, there is that complacency factor. I'm not 100% sold on this defence at the moment. Man United go 1-0 down regularly, regularly. They did it against Fulham last week and they need that wake-up call to play. So just solely on that basis, I'm going to avoid Man United to nil just because I'm being cautious. I do think that it will cash and I will take Man United and under 4.5 goals here, which is available at 13 to 20. So that's close to 46 minus 150. That will be my play here for this game. But I ultimately expect Man United to win but I don't think it's going to be the easy, easy ride that everybody thinks it's going to be um, because that's just not how the Premier League is. Closing out with a game of the week, it's Tottenham versus Liverpool. Closing out before I start taking some calls if you guys want to talk. Um, Tottenham are the 9-4 underdogs here. It's 5-2 to two on the draw and Liverpool are the 11-10 to 10 favourites here to, to win this game. This line makes no sense to me because Liverpool are not playing well and I understand that they've already beaten Tottenham earlier on this season, but they beat Tottenham in a game where Tottenham had a load, a load of chances to take something from that game. In fact, win that game. Tottenham lost that game in the 89th minute for a winner through Firmino. Otherwise, Mourinho set his tactics out perfectly. It was a one-all draw. They went one-nil down. They got back into the game. They made themselves difficult to break down like all Mourinho teams. And then... They hit Liverpool on the break multiple times. Bergwijn missed a hatful of really good chances in that game. And now you're telling me a Liverpool team who have only won one game in 2021, and that was against a bunch of Villa kids in the FA Cup, are going to come here as 11 to 10 favourites and overturn Jose Mourinho and Tottenham. They've got a full team to choose from. I just don't see it. This Spurs team are unbeaten in eight games in all competitions. Liverpool have recorded just one win 
in the last seven games. Liverpool have only won one of their last eight Premier League away fixtures, and Liverpool have only scored have, have scored one or fewer goals in five of their last six assignments in the league. Something is wrong with Liverpool. And when there's something wrong at attacking at the attacking end of the pitch, and you don't have Van Dijk and Gomez in your team, then that's why you're going to get these results. How is this going to be resolved all of a sudden? Salah and Mane are just going to turn up and all of a sudden remember exactly what to do against a Tottenham team that sit deep and make themselves difficult to defend against. Not only did Tottenham sit back with a back four, they sit in with two holding players. You need to break down six players to score against this team. This is Mourinho. And then they break at pace against a defence which is missing players, which has high fullbacks that commit forward when you're going up against Bergwijn and Song or whoever they decide to play out wide. Maybe not Bergwijn, but definitely Song. And Harry Kane, who will take chances. How are you making this team close to an odds-on favourite? I don't get it here at all. And I'm going to go one better than just taking Tottenham on the double chance market to avoid a defeat here at four to six. I'm going to take Tottenham as a pick. I think it's massive value on Tottenham as a pick here. You push with a draw or you win if Tottenham win. And Tottenham can win this game. You're, 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 you're buying the name here for Liverpool. You're not looking at anything that's happened. Yes, the data doesn't support it. I understand that you don't just go along with data. But do this team look good to you? Do this team look good to you? Do this team look like a team that are going to break down a Jose Mourinho Tottenham? Do they? I don't think they do. And if they look like that to you, press the button now and speak to me and tell me how they look like that to you. Um, So we will take the calls there now if anybody wants to come in and speak. I'll give it a a minute or two. If not, we'll just post a show out as is. Um, I do want to move on to the lock on the show. I'm going to give out a couple. I'm going to give out a couple of locks. There's loads I like on the show. I looked at these fixtures today and um, I definitely thought this has a feel of a show where I can go eight and two, seven and three on because uh, I really do like these games. There'll be loads of plays out for lockbetting.com clients. So um, I have no issue giving out a double lock. First one is going to be under three goals today in Southampton versus Arsenal. I don't see four goals in that game. At the very least, if it does break out into an attacking game, which the other uh, two games of season haven't, you're going to get yourselves a push because someone may win that game 2-1. But I frankly don't see it happening. I think under three is the play there at four to six. And um, on Wednesday, I'm going to take Man United and the under four and a half goals. Don't like being in bed with my own team because I lose financially and emotionally. I just had a horrible loss at the weekend with the Packers. And uh, you know, I didn't even feel the financial side of that. I just really wanted to be in the Super Bowl. And um, the financial side, that was covered. We, we took a hedge on Tampa Bay so I wouldn't feel twice as shit. And um, with, with Man U, I, d- I don't like to play them. I, I just like to support them and I like us to get the results. But as of late, I'd be doing people a disservice if I wasn't playing Man U. I've played Man U regularly throughout this month and it has been massively profitable for people. So I'm going to continue doing what I do there. Man United and under 4.5 goals, which is available at 13 to 20. So both games are pretty much the same price. They're both around minus 150 here. The under three and Man United and under 4.5. They're both the locks here and they're both around about four to six. So that's what I'm going to go with. Tons and tons of stuff I like. Lockbetting.com is a place to get all of my plays. I'll even drop a couple of plays on my Twitter this week at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. Doesn't look like anybody wants to come in and talk to me, probably because I'm doing such a great show anyway. So um, thanks all you guys for coming in and listening. I don't think we've ever had 
as many people in the room for one of these shows here as we've got at the moment. So things are really, really picking up here on Locker Room. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Good luck with all your bets, as always, guys. And thanks for listening. It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.